Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Welcome to another episode on the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. This is episode nine, where we are talking about taking your existing leadership in every area of influence and helping it become a little more supernatural. Of course, most of you know, as I'm speaking to you right now, most of the world is in a pandemic. We're on lockdown. Uh, we're in self-isolation. Such a crazy, wild time. And yet at the same time, believing that good things will come out of this season. It's hard to see sometimes that in the midst of the bad, the challenging, and all the opposition that's coming against us from advancing and moving forward, it's hard to believe that even out of these hard times, something good can happen. But I just believe and I'm praying that in this season that you would leverage new areas of growth for your leadership, that you develop in new areas, and that you'd come out stronger on the other side of this pandemic than when you came into it. And uh, of course, we're believing for it to end, but hey, while we're in it, let's leverage let's let's leverage it in the sense of let's find some good um, and redemptive ways to utilize this space utilize this season to become uh, better leaders in all facets of our life and so today for episode nine we're talking about what I would call the best kind of leadership the best kind of leadership that is our subject for today and first off I want to say that every true and every powerful leader that has ever lived on the earth, has always had one main thing in common. And that thing is that they had a message they had a message that not only not only did they, they they communicate to those that followed, but that they truly lived out day in and day out. They they owned it. They lived out their message. This is not something born overnight, not something that just happens be, but it's it's a very intentional uh, uh, a reality and experience and it takes consistency, commitment and it's truly a calling in life. And I think the most dangerous thing in times like this, when the world is in a pandemic, when 
you know, uh, when everything's being shaken that can be shaken, when our economy is at risk and so many, so many people's lives and, um, and financial scenarios are, are struggling right now. I think a lot of people go into fear mode and start making rash haste decisions that actually end up um, really bringing more destruction to their life in the future. And I think there's a lot of people, you know, online, you know, encouraging people to, this is the time to, you know, dominate the digital space. And yes, I believe it is a hundred percent. But, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff out there right now is, is fear driven. You know, now's the time to launch your, you know, launch your, your new digital online business. And, and yet people aren't set up. It's not something that you can just do. It's something that you need to be called to do. I think fear has a way of creating um, uh, just bad decision-making. And uh, I think, you know, you, you've heard the statement FOMO, fear of missing out. A lot of people, because of FOMO, fear of missing out, just make some really poor decisions in this time. And the reality of it is, like I said, not everybody is called to be in that space. There are people that are called to be in the trades, you know, and if you put someone that's called to be in the trades and dominate that space and, and, you know, and, and lead in that space and you, and you, you put fear in those people and they start to operate in zones that aren't their zone, they're just going to end up uh, being worse off. And so we have to be, we have to be careful in the season, the, the narrative that we're spewing out that it's, it's faith driven. It's not fear driven. And at the same time, we use wisdom. We take time to go over, you know, what, what kind of decisions we're making in seasons like this. And, and on, the, on the flip side of it though, it, it is a season for opportunity and we do want to leverage the season. Um, but we don't want to leverage the season driven from a place of FOMO, driven from a place of the fear of missing out. And that's kind of what I, what I'm trying to, trying to just get at right now in this very moment. But the best kind of leadership is the kind of leadership that becomes the very message that their leadership represents the most. Think about it for a second. What do you most communicate about? Often that's what you believe to be the most important in life. Often you are living that out in some way. Um, if not, well, then I, you know, it's what we call hypocritical. If we are spewing one thing out of our mouth, but living the opposite, well, we're kind of living as hypocrites in some way that, you know, how can we, we say one thing and live the opposite? Well, reality of it is we truly live out what we truly believe. Real faith is living out everything you say you believe. And and when we do that, we become the very message that we are giving. And and the things I, I you know, the things I most talk about in life are often the things I spend the majority of my time living out. And so as you're in this season, I want to encourage all the listeners out there to grow uh, your leadership and to, to find, you know, to find an, a deeper understanding of the best kind of leadership is the leadership that lives out their message. Maybe you don't know what your message is. Maybe you haven't articulated it or languaged it. Maybe you haven't spent time, you know, really doing a self-evaluation of what is my message? Because if you want to grow anything in life, if you want to build anything in life, any platform, have any kind of influence in life, you have to know your message. What drives you? What do you believe to be the most important uh, 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 why for existence that you are living for? I shared this on another episode, actually, in in. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I don't remember what episode it was, but I shared about how years ago I was driving on the way to a leadership meeting where I was mentoring between 50 and 70 leaders. It was a mentoring night and I was driving and on the way, I, I really felt God speak to me and say, say these words, Sean, he said, the found, or the roots or the foundation of our faith, of our Christian faith 
is not the Bible. And so I thought to myself, wow, this is uh, kind of outside of my my grid. I, I've never heard it language like that before. And he kept speaking to me and he said, Sean, it's the Bible applied. So, you know, it's not enough just to know a message. We have to apply the message. And when we apply the message, that's when we become the message. It's so vital to our spiritual life, but also vital to our leadership life. Like the most powerful leaders, as I said, are those that become their message. They don't just have a message. They represent and embody the the uh, the fullness of that message. And yes, that message gets stronger and stronger with time. And yes, we grow and we don't, you know, the message that you have now is going to continue to develop and grow over time. But this should be the goal, and this this really is, in my opinion, the best kind of leadership, the most powerful kind of leadership. This is the way that Jesus led, and uh, this, was, this was actually his challenge with a lot of the religious uh, sects of society, the religious crowds that were opposing him, the teachers of the law. They 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 had studied the scripture, and in the scripture, in the information, let's call it, they thought that they could find life. But Jesus came embodying the word itself, embodying the Logos. He was the Logos. You read it in John 1. He was the living word. He came representing the word, and yet they failed to come to him to find life. They rejected the very word that they thought they were worshiping. They were worshiping the wrong word. They were worshiping the letter. They were sticking to the letter of the law. You know, they had abided by the over 600 laws that that had been instituted and, and released by God himself under the old covenant as a guide and as a roadmap and as Galatians calls it as a tutor. Um, but but they failed to, to, to realize that Jesus came and he was the very answer and solution and the very thing, in fact, they were waiting for for centuries, but they, he didn't come the way that they thought he was going to come. And so they therefore they rejected him and they missed it entirely. I mean, Jesus said to them, you have failed to come to me to find life. You you study the scriptures daily, and in them you 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 think you find life, but you have failed to come to me to find life. Um, you know you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far away. You have been waiting for the message I represent, and yet you reject me. He, Jesus basically was saying, "I am the message you've been waiting for." the message of hope, healing, and salvation for humanity, yet you reject me because I don't come the way that you thought I was going to come. And and really, you reject me because you reject my message. This is what they had a problem with, the message coming from this messenger that did not appear to be the king they were assuming would come. Jesus interrupted their expectations and assumptions of, of what the Messiah or what the Savior would actually be. And I think, you know, we get in trouble a lot of the time because of our assumptions. Just last week, I, you know, I was uh, I was sharing a message with our, our church online and I God spoke to me very clearly and he said, divine interruption becomes the denial of unhealthy assumption. You know, Jesus came and interrupted and flipped upside down the religious system that all these people had known so well, that had almost, in a sense, worshipped so well. And uh, he, he came and he denied by interrupting their, their whole system. He came and denied all their unhealthy assumptions of, of what the Savior would look like, what the Messiah would look like, what he would represent and what he would embody. Um, you know, Jesus shows up to establish a new way. And just denies, just denies all their assumptions of what he would be. 
uh, what he would do and to whom he would go. I mean, this was this was it. I mean, he was hanging out, hanging around people that they would never hang around according to their customs. He was doing things that they would never do, saying things that they would never say, saying according to them blasphemous comments, and he just flipped everything upside down. I want to read a scripture to you in John one. I kind of referenced it a little earlier, but John one verse fourteen. This is the best kind of leadership. This is the best way I could describe the best kind of leadership. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, period. I mean, there's a comma there, really. The verse continues to go on. But in this verse, he's talking about, John is writing about Jesus, who was who was and is the word, literally came and became flesh. The word is and dwelt among us. The, the One of the translations is he tabernacled amongst us. He came and he overshadowed us. He became our tabernacle. Uh, he, he became the very living church. In a sense, like, you know, they, they wish to worship God in a tabernacle. Now he became and he was the tabernacle and he tabernacled amongst us. He was the doorway to the kingdom. That's why the message was when he came, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he was saying is, uh, I now am the message of the kingdom at hand, at hand. I am around. I'm in your midst. I am the doorway to the kingdom. Unless there's no one could come to the father except through me. He was the, he was the, he was the key and he was the doorway at the same time. The word became flesh. This is the desire and I believe the assignment of heaven over every leader's life is that we would become the word made flesh. Whatever message you say is your message. You you may have a message of, um, you know, bringing, bringing, uh, uh, new, you know, help and, and coaching and value to the government, the, the government sector or the business world. And you have a certain message that's catered to helping people become their best, the best version of themselves within, you know, the, the, in government or in the business world or in education. Well, the only way you're going to be a powerful influence in those environments is if you literally embody the very message that you're representing. It's got to become you. You got to live it out. And so I want to give you some keys today on how to live it out, on how to embody the message, which I believe is the best kind of leadership. Now, let me just say, Jesus did not take speech class 101. He didn't get his PhD in communication from the University of Heaven. It wasn't, you know, it it was that among everybody else, he stood out. He stood out amongst the rest because of the thing, what we're talking about here. He was a living example of everything he said. This is why people said, man, this guy has authority, like not because of his title or his function. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher, but not because of his, uh, not because of his title or function, but because when he speaks, we feel something different from him than all the other teachers of the law. You can read it in Matthew seven, verse 28 to 29. It says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In other words, man, the scribes, the teachers of the law, when they teach, it's 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 powerful. But there's something that stands out about this Jesus guy. I mean, not only does he not look like a typical rabbi, not only is he teaching, you know, and training and discipling people that all the other rabbinical schools out there rejected, but when he speaks, it's like he's speaking from a place 
of authority. He's he, We feel something from his words. There's something that happens inside of me when he speaks, a, a swirling, a twirling that happens on the inside of my spirit. I can't explain it. Well, what, what they're trying to explain and say is that, man, this guy is the message. They aren't just teaching what they've read. They aren't just like the other guys. They aren't just teaching what they've studied. Jesus is teaching out of a place of who he is. You know, it says in John 6, verse 63, that his words became spirit. They weren't just words, they became spirit. In other words, because he was the message, when he would speak, not only would the words not fall to the ground and return void, they actually reproduced into spiritual transformation. His words were spirit and they were life. I mean, Jesus said in John 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I will speak about the resurrection or I will speak about something or I will speak about a message. He said, I am, I embody the very message that one day you will represent. I am the resurrection and the life. Over and over again, if you look at the life of Jesus in the four gospels, you see it over and over again that Jesus embodied everything he was saying and everything that he did. It wasn't just, it wasn't fake. It wasn't a put on performance. He was the living word. He was the word made flesh. This is the greatest example of, uh, he is the greatest example of becoming the message. And, um, you know, so just to, I wanted to, to paint that picture as a foundation as we dive into some of the areas, I, I believe some of the key, I want to share three key insights in helping us create stronger and yet a better kind of leader within every one of us who's listening. Number one, if you're taking notes, first key, our first insight that I want to share with you in, in becoming a better kind of leader in life is we have to digest before we invest. Digest before you invest. And, and let me just explain that a little bit. It's like anything in life. Before you start talking about anything and becoming a so-called expert about anything, you got to digest the information. You got to get into it. You got to invest your life into it by digesting and eating it every day. You know, everybody out there today on Facebook, on social media, it, it sounds like an expert because they have a, an eloquent opinion about what's going on in the world. And But the reality of it is they haven't paid a price. They haven't really spent the time. They sound like an expert because they have amazing words and, and they appeal to specific kinds of audiences out there that also probably have strong opinions about things. But They've never, maybe they didn't go to school for it. Maybe they never spent time studying about it. They've just re, are regurgitating what they've heard and they've read articles online and whatever. And I'm not diminishing the the value of, of, of that. I'm not diminishing the value. Everybody is entitled to have an opinion, but there's something about when you take time. I mean, Jesus took 30 years, 30 years before he started his ministry. 30 years. I mean, Paul had a timeline. Paul the Apostle, after he had his encounter in Acts chapter 9, he had a, a, a process of years of developing and digesting um, all this new information and studying and, and, and recalibrating everything that had had to be recalibrated because he had been indoctrinated with a, a false way of perceiving this Messiah for years. His whole life was spent, you know, you know, you know, uh, in, in the law. I mean, he was the great, one of the great teachers of the law, but he, in, and he studied the law. He knew the law inside and out. He abided by the law. He killed Christians. He, he, he had a wrong perspective. And so he had to, uh, you know, debunk or he had to, um, recalibrate by tearing down all of these, 
you know, wrong, you know, you know, belief systems in his mind. And he had to spend a whole new segment of his time digesting all this new information before he would have the ability and authority to invest and be the kind of um, leader that he was called to be um, and be, be the kind of long, in a sense, the apostle he was going to become. And so digest before you invest. And it's kind of like any investment in life. Before you make an investment in life, in the stock market, um, in a new business, in a startup company, I mean, you got to take time to digest the information, do a study, you know, think about it, ruminate it, uh, eat it, you know, uh, like, like, um, you know, uh, consult people, get around other people that are maybe investing in the same thing, ask questions, see how it feels. I love Ezekiel chapter three, uh, says it amazing. God said to Ezekiel, before you invest and prophesy into the nation or the people of Israel, I want you to eat the scroll. God said, eat the scroll because on a scroll is a message. On the scroll is information. It's a message. Before you can prophesy about the message I'm giving you, Ezekiel, who was a prophet, or before you invest into the people of Israel with the message I've given you and become that leader that I've called you to be, I need you to take time to eat the message, to eat the scroll, digest it. It's got to get in you before it can come out of you. So important. This is the best kind of of leadership. This is kind of, this is my journey too with, with, you know, in, uh, 18 years ago, I had an encounter that changed my life, changed the whole trajectory of my life. And, you know, I spent after my encounter in my car on the highway, I spent, uh, the next few years investing, like, I mean, I'm talking about a lot of my time, four to eight hours a day. I had a six month season, four to eight hours a day, studying the the word, um, you know, stepping out, praying, stepping out onto the street, learning to hear the voice of God, recognize the voice of God on the street, out in the marketplace, learning how to apply my faith. And then, you know, I ended up moving 11 months into that journey to the US, began to intern and travel around Central America, North America, uh, with with two mentors that really invested in my life. And during that time, I was digesting a lot, learning a lot, practicing, 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 studying, studying, studying. And, you know, I had no intention of developing a school of the supernatural. I had no intention. At that time, I was just like in the digestion phase, eating the scroll over and over again, wanting myself to be the representation of the message that I carried, not just to have good information, to know how to speak eloquently. No, I wanted to be able to become the message, become the word made flesh. Like we, we see Jesus in John chapter one, verse 14. And you know, when I came back from the season, I did more traveling, came back. It was about two years, one, yeah, it was about two years into this journey. All these people, because of the testimonies that they were hearing about my life, people that were around me locally in my hometown, all these people started asking me, Hey, Sean, like I heard, you know, like you, 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 all these experiences that you're having, you know, with the supernatural and, you know, the voice of God. And I'm really interested. I'm intrigued, you know, no, it's teaching on this in, in the, in, in the, uh, sort of communities or situations that I'm connected with. Nobody's teaching on it. Would you consider teaching on it? I would love to learn more about it. People started asking me, I didn't set out to, to launch a coaching business. I didn't set out to launch a school or anything. I just, people started to get attracted to me because they felt like, man, there was an authority on me to talk about this stuff and that I didn't even really realize. I was just living it out. I was just eating the scroll. I was just becoming the very message. 
And then what this did was it actually encouraged me. I'm like, man, people are hungry for this stuff. People want to learn how to make their leadership a little more supernatural. You know, I'm still new in this, but I've spent, you know, a good amount of time digesting it. And so I'm going to give them what I can. I'm going to give them what God has given me, you know, and I'm going to give them the, the, the scroll. I'm going to give them what I've been digesting over the last few years. And so then I, I decided to take time to, I spent actually the next really, um, several months, uh, writing out and creating, a sort of, um, uh, a prototype course on the supernatural. I called it school of the prophetic 101. And the whole goal was to help people live out their faith journey in their everyday and give them practical tools with activations and then take them after the sick, it was a six week course, take them onto the street for three days into the restaurants, grocery stores, onto the street, you know, loving on the homeless community and, and, and actually activating them to bring the supernatural demonstration of the supernatural into um, this environment to ultimately initiate in them this uh, this faith to believe that this could be their everyday normal, making the supernatural natural in their life and a normal, not so extraordinary, but just making it an ordinary thing. And so I did that. And so I began to develop this course. And I, I remember like I had no idea what I was doing. I literally was just being faithful with, with what I had been given. And I, I wrote this six week course, uh, this rough draft really. And um, uh, there was a house that was on my street a neighbor friend of mine, friends of mine that opened up their house to me and said, hey, what we can host at our house. And I had 13 people in that first school, 13 people in that first school from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, um, you know, different denominations, people that didn't even really know God, didn't really even believe in God at that point. Um, and uh, young and old people that had been walking with Jesus longer than I'd been alive at that point. Um, and I came in there. I mean, back then I had long dreadlocks, you know, crazy piercings and everything. Came in there with a little crappy little microphone on my big Toshiba laptop, I remember. And just and with a bunch of papers printed out. And I would record and teach this school. And uh, that was my first school. And from there... That was literally the launching pad to everything that I'm doing today. Doing the schools, developing three schools on the supernatural, writing a curriculum, you know, authoring my first book, you know, doing these schools around the world, outreaches around the world, taking thousands of people through this school over the years, even just alone in my city locally. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people on the street at the same time. And that's how my whole journey really began. And, uh, you know, and I, I want to say this because I think it's a tr it's true for all of us is that, you know, when desperation turns into inspiration, the world gets innovation. And at that time, I'll say it again, when desperation turns into inspiration, the world gets innovation. At that time, nobody was really doing this stuff. It wasn't a normal thing. I mean, this was before YouTube had its... Um, had its massive world stage. This is before, you know, a lot of the video platforms out there, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all these things were really popping. Um, you know, we were doing this stuff before it was known, you know, that it's it's a normal thing. People are doing this stuff all around the world, bringing the prophetic and the supernatural to the streets. It wasn't happening um, sort of as it is today. It wasn't as accessible. Um, the resources weren't as accessible. And I felt like I could see it, like the desperation, the hunger, begin to inspire me. The desperation around me for this stuff begin to turn into an inspiration in my heart to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to do a teaching. I'm going to develop a teaching, a curriculum. 
And then, you know, all of a sudden innovation begins to happen and we start doing things differently. And then, you know, if you've, if you tracked with some of the global, uh, more supernatural movements around the world in various church cultures, you know, you'd probably heard the word treasure hunting or different things, you know, all of a sudden now it became a normal thing to go out to the street and bring, you know, bring the prophetic or, or do this stuff. But um, you know, it, it wasn't normal back when we were doing this. It was just happening in small pockets. And so I would say this to you and all of us listening that to, to begin to become the message in life, we have to digest before we invest. Take time and let the message that God wants you to represent get in you. Number two, number two, say because you do. Say because you do. Don't do because you say. Say because you do. In other words, Teach things because you're already doing it, living it out, okay? Parenting 101, kids respond way more to what you do than what you say. You can say all you want, you know, do this, do that, uh, believe this, believe that. This is how you should live your life. But if you aren't doing it, chances are your kids will not do it either, even though you tell them. They will model themselves after what they see before they ever model themselves after what they hear you say. And this is not just parenting 101, this is leadership 101. I mean, those that you are leading day in and day out, those that, you know, whether it's in your business, whether it's in, um, you know, other areas of management you find yourself in, even, you know, of course, family, like I said, but in other, in every area of your life of leadership, if you're not, if you're not living it out, and you're just trying to say everything and teach everything, but not living it out, you're not gonna multiply yourself. Here's the thing, models multiply themselves quicker than our demands or commands ever will. We are called to be the model. We are called to be the example, the living uh, example of everything that we say uh, and, and are trying to convince other people to believe or do. We have to be the ones that are doing it. I mean. Uh, we see the prophets in the Old Testament that, like, like Isaiah, for example, in Isaiah chapter twenty, verse three, he he would live out, he would live out his prophetic message. We see it, of course, with Ezekiel. We see it with Jeremiah. Like it was so in him, he couldn't help but say it because it was in him. Jeremiah chapter twenty, verse nine, like the word was in him. It was like a fire shut up in his bones. He couldn't help but share it because it was in him. He had done the time. He had lived it out. He was living this message. Uh, we see it all throughout the Old and the New Testament. I said it again. I'll say it again. Jesus was the best example of it. We, models multiply themselves quicker than our demands or commands ever will. Uh, you know, John 14, verse 12, Jesus said, he who believes in me will do what I am doing and even greater things he will do. And, you know, this is the thing, like we are called to make sure the first priority is lifestyle. Before we ever live a lifestyle of just saying and, and you know, preaching a message, we have to live it out. He who believes in me will do it. If you believe in God, if you believe in who Jesus is, it will overflow into your affecting and changing your lifestyle. And then whenever time, and, and then when you talk about it and you, you say it, people will believe it because they'll feel the authority on it. This is what defined and separated Jesus from the rest of the teachers of the law, of, of the law. Yes, he was God. He was also fully human, fully God, fully human. He was divine in nature, but yet he was fully human just like us. But people noticed that when he would talk, there was something different about him because he had lived a life of doing and, and, and modeling this lifestyle of kingdom 
of kingdom living. Paul even said it in Romans chapter 15, verse 18, for I will dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has not already accomplished through me. So Paul was saying, I'm not going to talk about things if it's not already happened in me. I'm not going to just give you information. Information does not reproduce life, does not reproduce spirit. Remember John 6, 63, his, his words were spirit and they were life because spirit reproduces spirit. When, when we are transformed from the inside out and then we speak, it multiplies itself. And, and Paul knew this better than anybody. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And so, I mean, he was what we call the living epistle. He didn't just write a letter. He was living the letter. He was the living letter in much of the way and in, in, in much of the sense. Number three, number three. So number one, just to, just to recap a little bit here, we have digest before we invest. Number two, say because you do. Say because you do. And number three, uh, grow as you go. And this is where I'm talking about, you know, you know, when you when you find your message and you figure out, you know, what it is that you want to live for, what it is that you are believing, what it is that you want to spend your life building, um, know that it's going to continue to grow, but it's only going to grow as you continue to go. Um, every and this applies to everything in life. If you want to grow what is what already exists in you. You have to continue to step out. You have to continue to practice. You have to continue to digest and study and ruminate on the stuff that that you you believe is important for whatever it is that you're called to do in life. It's it's something that continues to happen. We can't live on yesterday's manna, yesterday's bread, yesterday's successes, yesterday's victories or provisions. We have to continue to grow as we continue to go. You know, uh, you know. Mark says it, signs follow those who believe. Signs will follow as you continue to believe because belief always is in a forward motion. When you're in faith, you're always in forward motion. Faith without works is dead. When when there's no working out of faith because you have faith, there is no growth. But real Bible faith is continual momentum, which equals continual growth. So grow as you go. This is what makes us masters at what we do. So, you know, you may have a message right now, but you may not feel like you're a master at it. Maybe you've been, you're one year into it or you're two years into it and you're growing, you're growing. You know, eventually, eventually as you continue to go and step out, make mistakes, you know, have your successes, have your failures, have your victories. As you do that, this is what will make you a master at what you do. This is the best kind of leadership. I love, I heard this in an interview with, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson recently, and he said this statement, super powerful, kind of funny. He said, there's nothing uglier than an old infant. And I think this speaks to all of us out there. You know, we, we, a lot of us are still babies in the message that we are, 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 are giving or the message that we are living for. We're still babies in it. We haven't taken the time. We haven't been through the fire enough. You know, we haven't been tried by the fire enough to really prove that this is actually a message we believe. I think faith, faith only turns on. And I've mentioned this before over and over again, faith only exists and it only is turned on when it's dark, when it makes no sense, when there's no ability to see. Paul said it, we walk by faith and not by sight. And you know, when a, a lot of us are living as babies still, and yet we've been in this sort of this same scenario or vocation for like 30, 40 years, but we've not grown. We've stopped taking the risks. We've stopped stepping out. We've stopped studying. We've stopped. We've kind of just, we're just coasting. Maybe you're a, 
a piano teacher and you've stopped developing your skills, you've stopped practicing your scales, you've stopped, you know, you know, learning new music or this applies to everybody. You know, God wants us to be the best version of ourselves within the talents and skills that he's given us. He wants us to be good stewards. And so this concludes sort of the three steps uh, that I believe helps us become or helps us move into the best kind of leadership in our lives. Let me just do a quick review and uh, give you some takeaways for today as we talked about the best kind of leadership. Divine interruption becomes the denial of unhealthy assumption. And, uh, you know, when Jesus showed up, he flipped the whole religious system upside down, came to establish a new way and denies all their unhealthy assumptions of what he would be, what he would do and to whom he would go. We have our three points that help us become the message, which is the best kind of leadership. Number one, digest before you invest, study it, eat it like Ezekiel, eat the scroll, let it sink in, develop yourself from the inside out, practice it every day. Number two, say because you do, not do because you say, that's an afterthought, say because you do. Uh, when you model, models always multiply more than commands or demands ever will. Um, words really are a representation and should be a representation of what is already modeled. And so when you say to your kids, do this, it's because you've already done it and you're showing them how to do it because you're living it out. Number three, grow as you go. Don't stop growing and, and to not stop growing, you have to not stop going. Keep on stepping out. Keep on moving forward. Keep on developing yourself and watch what begins to happen and watch the platform that God begins to give you in life and watch, watch the supernatural hit your leadership at a more intense level. Watch your authority grow. Watch what people begin to say about you. Man, this is something different about this guy. He's just, he's owning it at a different level. I want to give you an activation today. This is a little bit of a different activation because of the time and season that we're in. I want to give you an activation. Take this time, um, you know, of isolation. Maybe you're in isolation uh, during this whole pandemic era. Take, take, take this time, you know, during this global crisis to figure out what your message is. Like, what, what do you want to live for? What is your message? What is the message that you want to embody and take this time in isolation to develop yourself a little bit, to be still before God, to leverage this season to grow, study, get into the word a little bit more maybe for you. Maybe you're going to read more books in this season. You're going to you're gonna take more notes. Maybe, maybe you're going to take more time in prayer to get a hold of what God has for you. I don't know what it is for you. Ask God what he wants you to get out of this season. Ask him to speak to you, to give you a dream, to give you some sort of insight and how he wants you to come out of this season a little more supernatural, making your leadership a little more supernatural. Remember, everyone has a leader within them. The goal of this podcast is to help that leader become a little more supernatural. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. We will see you next month or possibly sooner since we're in isolation, since we're on lockdown. Please rate and review, subscribe and share this with your friends and family. Also follow us on Instagram at Supernatural Leadership Podcast or at Sean Gaby. Uh, we will see you next time and thank you so much for tuning in. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift, 
or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.